Hello, and welcome to another episode of Endeavors. On today's show, filmmaker Dana Nachman on her documentary, Letters to Santa. That's coming up on Endeavors. You're listening to Endeavors Radio with your host from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, Dan McPeak. I guess you could say this is my one Christmas show, my one interview that will have a Christmas theme. I'm always hesitant to do any Christmas-related stuff before December the 1st, but it's nearing the end of the first week of December now, so I thought, all right, let's let's bite the bullet and do it. Uh, as some of you know, my favorite holiday is Halloween, uh, and I've always done Halloween shows, and I haven't done too many Christmas shows, but there was a great documentary uh, that's coming out this week, actually, uh, today which is Friday, December 4th, as I'm recording this. And it's called Letters to Santa. And it's basically about what happens to all the letters. How the wishes in the letters are fulfilled and how the uh, United States Postal Service works with elves and other volunteers all across the country to make sure those letters get answered and that the kids, all the children, get their wishes fulfilled for Christmas. Dana Nachman is the director of said film, Letters to Santa, and she actually started off as a journalist and did television documentaries uh, in the Bay Area. She worked on Close to Home, uh, which won an Edward R. Murrow Award and an Emmy Award, uh, and then she also did Pot and Politics, which focused on med medical cannabis and earned an Associated Press Award for Best Documentary. In 2007, her films Dust, Dreams to Dust explored the internment of Japanese Americans and was nominated for another Emmy. And then in 2015, she did a film called Bat Kid Begins, which was about this little boy uh, who was a cancer survivor and his one wish was to be Bat Kid. And San Francisco was transformed into Gotham City so that his dream could come true. She's also worked on Pick of the Litter, which was a 2018 film about puppies training to be guide dogs for the blind. 
a web series that was inspired by the film uh, was released on Disney Plus last year. Her films have won many awards, including uh, at festivals such as Dallas International Film Festival, Heartland Film Festival, Cinequest, Ashland, Sonoma, and has received grants from the Tribeca Institute. As I mentioned, her new film is Letters to Santa, and I spoke with Dana last week. This is my conversation with Dana Nachman. Dana Nachman, hello. Good morning. Morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? How's uh, how's California? It's good-ish. Uh, there's a lot of COVID <laughs> here now, so not that good. Yeah, yeah. No, we we just had to go into a sort of a, another mini lockdown with a lot more restrictions because cases are are spiking everywhere in the country. So. Oh, I thought it was good there. I mean, Vic Victoria, where I am specifically, is still relatively safe. Like, there's only there's only 21 cases uh, on the whole island, but um, I think Vict uh, all of BC, which is my province, had close to a thousand cases. Um, so, which is less than some other provinces, but still more than we were having. So, yeah. I think I think our doctor just wanted to to nip it in the bud. That's smart. <laughs> You know, in a way, I, I think your film, Dear Santa, is kind of all what we need right now, you know, um, in, in in a lot of ways. Before I get there, how, how do you think, you know, because the film is obviously about how Santa and the Postal Service fulfill all the letters, how do you think COVID has affected that system, if at all? Um. I think if anything, it will make the system better and bigger this year. Um, because, and actually, I heard that in the first. Actually, the system's not open yet, um, but letters are coming in. And I heard that the first couple weeks, like in November, were higher than the those weeks last year. So I actually think there's going to be a lot of need this year. And I also think that gladly, I'm really glad about that. The film is coming out on the same day that. The letters go public so i think there'll be a lot of hopefully it'll it'll mean there's a lot of people applying to be elves um so in that way i think there's going to be a lot of letters this year because of the need um kids who don't necessarily need anything but want stuff are gonna need something to do this year so i think um letter writing to santa will be a great pastime and so i think there'll be a lot of letters and then i think there's going to be a lot of people applying to help santa uh, including me and my family and anybody who's seen the film so far <laughs> said that they were going to do it. Um, so I think the film makes you want to participate because it's a really um, easy thing to do. And you could do it, I think, safely during COVID. And I think it's going to be awesome this year, really. How how did you decide I want to make a film on Santa and the the, the letters that, that, that go to him? Where Where did that come from? Yeah. Um, well, I've always been a huge fan of Christmas, even though weirdly I'm Jewish and don't celebrate Christmas. <laughs> so I think any opportunity I have to participate in Christmas, I am all for. Um, and then I had received a book as a present about eight years ago that my mom had bought me to read to my kids. And um, when I read the book, I think it was the USPS put it out. Um, on their 100 year anniversary of working on the letters to tell people that they did this, you know, nobody knew, including me. 
So every year I would read it and think, oh my gosh, it's such an amazing story. It would be an amazing film, but I can't really reach out to the Postal Service now because it's their busiest time. And I would kind of forget about it till the next year in mid-December. Uh, and then finally in 2018, I, um, I had done two family-friendly films, um, and then I was about to do a series for Disney+, Plus, um, and I thought, you know, I now have the credibility, I think, to do this right, you know, in terms of getting into this kind of full family um, genre that I was in, uh, and so I reached out to them and said, feel free to get back to me in several months. I know you're busy, but I really think this would be an awesome film. And they wrote back to me right away. And um, and then it started a dialogue between us. And uh, finally they said, yeah, we're, we'll green light it so that you can have full access to the program uh, the last Christmas, so, so Christmas 2019. And so we spent the, um, I think it was like four and a half weeks between Thanksgiving and Christmas just sh following all the letters that we were interested in and, sh and shooting it. You know, it's interesting because a lot of documentaries have a long production shelf life in terms of you know pre-production production and post but it strikes me that you had to be very efficient when making this film because a lot of the action takes place within a very short amount of time as a documentarian how challenging was that you know it's kind of it's a great question and it's, it's an interesting thing i think because i've thought a lot about this before because so this film you know, beginning to, I mean, I don't know when they all end, right? Like I'm still obviously doing publicity on, on the film, but like production, um, I would say we were in pre-production in October, production November, December, and then post-production through the summer. So six months. So all in all, it was like eight, eight to nine-ish months. And that is the same amount of time I did my film Bat Kid Begins. And that was because... <laughs> A lot of people wanted to tell that story, um, and I was the only one who was crazy enough to say, oh yeah, I can do it in nine months, because they were interested in wanting it for their one-year anniversary of their event. So I said, oh yeah, no problem, even though I had never done a film in less than two years. I mean, I've done films in two years, three years. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It, takes, it can take a long time. But I found in these two films that I did quickly, um, there's something about it that even makes it easier. Like there, there, you know, I mean, this one was particularly interesting in that we knew that we only had the, like really Christmas time to get all of our footage. Um, because after Christmas time, even though you can kind of fake it, it would be much harder. And then of course we didn't know about COVID, right? So we needed wintry settings. We needed Christmas slides. We needed all that. So all the B-roll had to be done during Christmas time. You know, the letters, like we really wanted it to be very authentic. And so we want, we grab the letters came in mostly after Thanksgiving. We had to get a hold of the letter writers. We had to agree, you know, have them agree to do this. We had to fly to wherever they were, shoot it, and we really only had one shot. Like there was really no room for error. What we did do, um, because we were scared of this, is we we just shot the heck out of it. I mean, we shot, you know, and I actually at first thought I was gonna be able to do everything myself. I mean, not I have a crew, but like go to every story. And there were there were days that we had three, four, one time there was I think five five crews out at one time. So we did have to find field producers who could do stuff while I was somewhere else. So that was the one thing we had to pivot. Um, but because we had such a short amount of time, we 
it wasn't like we were going to go over in terms of production days, you know what I mean? So, so it was, it was fun. And I think there's something about the focus that you can have on a very short shoot that I felt. And like, there's something about the pressure too, that I think, I think helps. Um, yeah, I really like short shoots, <laughs> to be honest, and short production timeline altogether. You you mentioned the irony of you doing this film because you you are uh, Jewish, and you know we see a couple of the of the adopted elves are Jewish. There was that one school in Brighton that had a lot of uh, Muslim kids, and Christmas sort of has be you know Christmas is by far you know, the, 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 the largest holiday, um, whether you're, you know, Christian or, or, or secular or not. Have, have you thought about why in, in particular this holiday has so much more, you know, commerce behind it, if you will, or, 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 or so much more culture behind it than let's say like, you know, Halloween or Yom Kippur or something like that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. So I think you hit it, uh, uh, the nail on the head in terms of commerce. But it's interesting because, you know, in talking a lot about this film now for the last several weeks, um, I realized that our film really showcases, like, there's no commerce in it. There's no commercialism in it. There's, I mean, in that kids want things, yeah. But the letters just don't really reflect, at least the ones I read, and I read many, many, like, they don't reflect this greediness or this, you know, so there's like, of course, I want a toy, but what kid, that's childhood, right? Wanting a toy, wanting a game, wanting fun, wanting the magic of childhood. That's all connected. So I think that what the commercialism has done is like blown it out of the water. Like you said, like you said, it's become this massive thing. It's everywhere. You know, everywhere you look, there's a, there's an ad for something. But I think what that does, if it could be seen in a cynical way, like that's horrible and, and has kind of bastardized this great holiday for Christians, but I, I, which it probably does to some degree. But I think another, in another way of looking at it, it's like, don't you just, I feel personally like around Christmas time, it's just this warmth and there's Christmas you know, songs everywhere. And when you go into, you know, it's like, and I think being Jewish, I've always found that I have all the fun of Christmas and none of the obligation. Like I don't, all that kind of stress of, which I think our film does depict, but like, um, you know, having to buy for a million people, feeling stressed out about that, not having fun, not sleeping because you're doing all this stuff. And we just don't, I don't have that. So I get to enjoy all the fun of it and not necessarily feel that stress. And, and I, I get the feeling a lot of people feel that way. Like it's just a warmth and a, and, and a f time for family and a time for community and a time for giving back, um, a time for like paying it forward, like we, like you see in our film, that like little things can mean a lot to, 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 to people. So I think all that is really, really present in front and center. You know, you, you, you talk a lot about how the letters don't belie greed. And there's something striking, I guess, just about the, the innocence of a child. Um, what what can children teach us, especially at this time of year? I think um, I think the letters. I mean, they're mostly from children, but they're not all from children, right? And I think what the letters teach us um, is that what is kind of what children I think do are they they have this hope and they have this. Um, optimism that sometimes is lost on certain adults, right? I mean, I tend to be a very optimistic person, as you can probably tell by the tone of the film. Um, but I think that children remind us to do that and be that way and be open-minded and be curious. And what one of the women said in our film, which I think is amazing, is that she looks at the um, 
she looks at the letters as message in a bottle. Like people, you know, whether they're kids or, or adults, like putting, you know, writing something down and putting it out into the universe. And I think that's what, you know, that it says like it, it's really a hopeful gesture. And I think that's what kids teach us is this hopeful optimism. And everybody likes that feeling. And I think that's another reason why people gravitate towards this holiday. Yeah. I was surprised when, you know, it was showing shown how many uh, adults um, write letters too, and a lot of them, uh, just at least from the film, were 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 single mothers. Um, did that? Did that? I guess. Did you learn anything? I guess about our society, or maybe maybe why people ask for what they do. I think one, you know, I think what this did for me is I think we all know, unless you're under a rock somewhere, that there's a lot of poverty, um, especially in America, and. Um, and you know that in like kind of this like theoretical way, you know, or sometimes, you know, when you see homeless people, it, 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 you know, becomes front and center to you. But even that, like you have a bit of a barrier between them and you. And I think when you read these letters, it brings you into their world much more, um, you know, kind of, it, it's so, it's an intimate thing. Somebody writing their wishes and hopes, you know, to a, are there kids who are listening to this? I mean, not right now. I, I... <laughs> you know, I mean, to a to a person like Santa Claus, um, and so you know, I think what it does is it um, it it brings us in in a very personal way, and I think that that's what is really engrossing about the letters and about the concept of writing it's you know it's different like because usually if you give to a nonprofit, like our family is really involved with this nonprofit locally here that that gives to um it's a food bank it gives furniture and it's a really great organization um and even if you meet the people who come to the food bank it's still a little removed it's a little transactional right and i think when you read letters from somebody one person it's almost to another person that's not even you it's like you're a voyeur and looking at and looking into this letter it's really impactful your your film sort of focuses on on five cities, I guess. You you go to New York, Chicago, Greater Detroit, um, Chico, and I think there is a, a bit of the film in 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 Arizona as well. Um, what was it about those five specific parts of the country that helped you tell the story? And had you thought about going international at all? Uh, no, we had not thought about going international. We were just definitely going to focus on this one program that was put on by the USPS. Um, and I guess, and, and I think the US was just big enough, really, frankly, it was just, you know, we, I mean, that would be a cool other, other film to do. I'd be, I'd be interested in doing it of what, you know, how Santa works in these other countries, I think would be awesome. Um, so we didn't really set out to totally focus on, on these locations. Um, well, New York and Chicago had the biggest, what they called legacy programs, where letters were, are like people, not this year because of COVID, but people were able to uh, look through the letters physically. So we liked that because it was, you know, something we could shoot. So we were always going to go to New York and Chicago. And then really the rest of it, we were just focused on, actually, and then Arizona, we did want a diversity. Like we were really hoping to get something in Florida and like maybe the South, like Georgia. Um, I was interested in Maine. I mean, you know, I just, I did want to, you know, I wanted rural places and, you know, suburban and urban. But at some point we just had to go where the letters that interested us were from. So we were really waiting for the letters to come in. Um, 
and you know and the the um grand rapids michigan one was um they were putting on a letter writing event before thanksgiving so we were kind of just like hoping to get stuff earlier and that so so we were almost it was funny we almost thought like oh there might there probably won't be anything in this grand rapids thing we'll just go there and because we have nothing else to do yet because the letters hadn't come in and it ended up being a really great part you know there was a parade and letter writing and we were able to meet some women there who were writing really poignant letters so that you know we just kind of had to go to these places and see what that what there was we also went to cleveland a bunch of times that actually mostly didn't make the film we went to syracuse new york so we overshot quite a bit um and but then in the end we had we chose we didn't want to have you know too poverty or too many um too many pets or you know we wanted it very diverse in terms of the types of, of letters that we were getting so we we overshot it and just tried to um go to a as big of a variety as we could uh one one thing that i noticed i think it was in was it in new york or it might have been chicago where they, where they talked about how they they started to digitize um all, all the letters and how do you think technology has maybe changed the way um, not only we communicate with each other, but with Santa, because letters to Santa seem to be one of the last like tangible things we have. Um, what what do you make of how technology has has impacted that tradition? Yeah, I mean, I think the there's a couple things. One, um, yes, I think the United States Postal Service puts on a lot of usually in normal years, not this year, but letter writing events at the Smithsonian and other places like you saw one in Grand Rapids in our film. They do that all over the country. And that's they said that sometimes that's the only way kids learn how to write a letter like a legitimate letter. The other day, my my son, I couldn't believe it, like he was writing some thank you notes and he like didn't know where the um, <laughs> I've done a bad job parenting. He didn't know where the address went he put it up in the corner like kids don't write letters as much obviously anymore and none of us do probably so this is a great opportunity to learn that you know to write letters to santa um and that i think as far as this program will continue um the the digit the scanning of the letters um is something that started several years ago and i think it's really great because that means so many more people can see it you don't have to be in new york or chicago to be a part of this program now you could be absolutely anywhere um so that's really amazing so i think it's it's totally helped um this program in particular and i think you know as long as the kids keep writing snail mail letters <laughs> i think it's it's great you know it's, it's an opportunity to do something they don't normally do you know everyone talks about you know tradition and some some traditions need to change some should stay the way they are um why why has this become such an important tradition the letter writing um i don't know i mean i think it's been happening a long time it's something a lot of people um did themselves you know like grandparents did parents did and and you know it, i think it's like making christmas cookies or or anything else you do for your holidays it's like if you did it you want your kids to experience it you know so i think it's just a tradition that started you know i think i did read an article about how and when it started it was like almost 110 years ago um so i don't know who, oh they used to throw yeah they used to write little notes to santa and throw them in the um fireplace and the, the that then the the contents of the letter would go up into the chimney and he would he would know that used to be what happened before people wrote letters <laughs> you know um one thing I, I i found interesting is the you for the most part you you stayed away from the the political issues that can always come about this year although there was 
that one woman uh, uh, who touched on uh, Hurricane Sandy. There was Jamie who had touched on the fires. And then there was that one elf um, who got the letter from the, the LGBT kid and, you know, said, all right, LGBT elves, let's mobilize. Um, but my question is, why do you think that people always at this time of year, certain aspects of our society try to play politics with Christmas rather than just letting the holiday be what it is and, and people enjoy it. You always hear people saying, Oh, you know, what, you know, you know, black Santas or, or women Santas or, or, or whatever. Why, what, what do you make of, of sort of how, how politicized uh, this time of year has become? I guess I don't really see it politicized that much. Um, I mean, I think, everybody's going to politicize everything they want to, especially this year. But I actually see it kind of opposite, that this is a time that's not as much politicized. I mean, I think if people have a problem with LGBTQ elves or if they have problems with Black Santas, that's kind of their problem, you know? I, I mean, and that's maybe traditionalists and people who have to have things be the same. But I think the same was really um, very exclusionary for a lot of people for a long time. So... I guess I just don't pay attention to that because, you know, it's just not something I can really wrap my head around. Um, so I try to go the other way and think, okay, let's not politicize this at all. I mean, I don't think it should be political. I mean, the fact that it was political, that there's fires now and how we're going to help the fires or if it's political. I mean, how poignant is it that a kid is asking that will God love me because I'm gay. I mean, it's just so like, I mean, no matter who you are, like, especially if you're, if you're a real God faring person, like, like, you know, that, that's some deep thoughts from a kid, you know? So I, I don't see it as that politicized. I think if it, if it is, and I don't catch it, it's probably just people trying to get headlines, I guess. <laughs> you know, you know, uh, speaking on, you know, the issues of, you know, we saw Hurricane Sandy in Brighton beach with PS 53 and Jamie and Chico you know, turning turning to I don't like to use the word charity, but I guess turning to an organization like Operation Santa or Operation Pay It Forward um, in in a time of need. Um, just I guess on on a, on a much larger scale, why are organizations such as that uh, important for society? I mean, I think what's really fascinating about this um, USPS program is it's not a charity. So that's one thing that really strikes me as really important. I mean, I can answer your question because I do think charities are really important and I love to be a part of charity. So I'll tell you, I'll answer that in a second. But I think what's cool about this is it's not a charity. It's it's like USPS workers um, are organically getting letters to Santa and have been for a hundred years. And so over time, the USPS workers who saw these had the same reaction we probably have, or I have, I can speak for myself, when I see the letters, like, oh my God, how, how can, we have to help get these responded to, you know? So they've been doing this on their off time, literally, I mean, Jamie, the elf that you see, she's, she just does this, like, as part, like, this is her favorite time of year. She said she already Zoomed Santa this year, it was her first time Zooming with him, she just told me that. Um, and so, you know, it's just amazing that, like, this is not a charity, and I think it just shows that one-off people helping people is very, very strong. And I love that. And then, but charities, I think um, all year round are amazing, <laughs> you know, and I, I think our society runs on that. I mean, I think, you know, where government 
lapses, um, which it does, you know, to a, a big, big degree in our country, charity has to has to fill the void. And it does sometimes. <laughs> you, know, you know, I'm, I'm curious, you you visited, you know, a, a lot of these major cities uh, in the States, but I my research says that there, there's actually I think there's two places in the U.S. that have the name North Pole. Uh, one in New York and, and one in Alaska. Had you thought about visiting those places at all? Yeah, I don't think I knew about the New York one. I thought there was one in Indiana, but maybe that's something else. Maybe it's Santa Claus. I think it's Santa Claus or something. But uh, we did toy with going to Alaska. Um, but in the end, we really weren't sure why we were going there. Like it wasn't, um, it wasn't that relevant to what we were doing, I don't think. But yeah, we, we did look at it. And actually, one of my directors of cinematography, he really wanted to go. He's like, when are we going to Alaska? I'm like, I don't know. We had a very, you know, that's that would be a tough, that's like the farthest place we could go. It wasn't as helpful for us to get everywhere if we were going to take like three days out and go to Alaska. <laughs> Fair enough. But uh, yeah, no, you're right. It, it's it's uh, San Santa Claus, uh, Indiana. I think. Okay. Yeah, is the other place. Yeah, um, just, just we looked the, at that too. Just on the Ohio River. And we didn't want to go to anywhere that was like super touristy. And we had heard that um, the North Pole, Alaska was really cool, but like it's kind of this one-stop shop and it's like a tourist trap kind of. <laughs> fair, fair enough, fair enough. Mm -hmm. um, what what kind of, what I found really interesting is that, you know, well, first of all, I want to ask, what was it like for you as, you know, a, a documentary filmmaker to, to sit down and interview all, all these kids just, it, the, the process of that was like? It was super fun um, to interview the children. I mean, we were, as I said before, we were kind of waiting for the letters to come in. And so in about mid-November, I was like, you know, I should kind of like test out what we're doing with kids because they're, you know, they're hard to interview. I've, I've done it before. So actually in this very room that I'm sitting in, um, I had like, we had a crew come over in my, my house and we um, set up a, like a little fireside chat area and we and I just brought in neighborhood kids and just started peppering them with questions and it was such a low stress situation I just like was kind of testing what I got and what I couldn't get and that was great I learned a lot that day and I mean most of the kids I'd say half of the kids in the film are from that shoot um, and then when I went to um, Cleveland which a lot of the kids um, were in I went to like two schools there and a lot of the kids you see in the film are in that and and Pierce Arizona then I, I kind of had my questions down and it was really it was really fun and you know part of the goal of interviewing the children was to like tell the world that we were going into so really there wasn't right answers I didn't have to really get sound bites I just wanted and I liked uh, something that I learned from this was that you know we all have the like the, the studs of the of the Santa Claus story that we know, but kids have little these areas of gray that that are funny and fun. And so I thought if we were in their world, even if their worlds were all a little different, that would be, you know, so I considered them the narrators of the world. And it didn't, you know, we were really taking a beat from them. It wasn't that we were trying to get certain things from, you know, we were trying to get some stuff, but a lot of what we wanted was just to hear them and how they perceived this whole thing. And then we were going to use what they said um, as kind of the backbone of our film. It, I was very fascinated by the fact that a lot of these kids actually understood that, you know, the, the Santas you, you see in the malls, for example, are, are what they call helper uh, <laughs> Santas, you know, um, or, 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 or the helper elves. How, how intuitive do you think a, a child's mind is? 
I think that I don't know if it's intuitive um, as much as I think their imaginations are so amazing. And I think that as adults, we don't use that part of our brains as much. I mean, maybe some of us in the creative fields use it a little more, but like, I really like that, like, like hearing them and how they rationalize the whole thing. And, you know, and the interesting part, which well, actually one of the kids here, you know, at our, at our elementary school, they have a thing called the giving tree where they take, um, they take a little leaf off the giving tree and it says what a kid wants. And then you go buy the stuff for the kids. So they, they were aware of that whole concept. So the fact that a lot of kids are, are aware of giving around Christmas, I think dovetails interestingly into the Santa thing. So like they knew stuff like this happened, so it doesn't ruin anything. Um, but it's, you know, I love their like, well, this is how it works and this is how it happens. And I just think it's awesome. You know, I think and some kids weren't, you know, some kids said, yeah, these are, these are Santa helpers. And some kids were like, no, that's Santa. I mean, I think it depends on the age, you know, <laughs> but as you get older, you start having to rationalize some of the stuff that doesn't quite fit. I think that's cool. What, what were the conversations like, uh, if you, if at all, with, with some of the, the adults and, and, and the mothers that were, that were writing letters to Santa? Yeah, that was tough. I mean, I think that, like I said before, that like this very personal look into poverty was very hard, you know, and I think um, a lot of the people I talk to ha get a lot of help, but they don't always have to ask for the help, you know, and they don't, they don't have to, or they don't feel like they can say exactly what they need. They just take what's given. So I think it was really a beautiful thing to be able to say, like, this is exactly what I need. Um, and, you know, you know, it's an invitation to really put out there, you know, where they sometimes didn't feel like they had the right to do so. So I thought that was really sad and interesting. I think there was one of the L's that said, it's it's not what we have, but it's what we do with what we have. Yeah, that's my favorite line of the film. Yeah. Um, is it important for us to, you know, whenever we ask for something, whether it's, you know, for, from Santa or, or, you know, for a birthday or, or, you know, a special occasion. How important is, is it as for us to realize why we want it and what we're going to do with it rather than just, you know, having accumulating material things, so to speak? I mean, I think what she said, the reason that line resonates with me from the film is, is because I think there's, you're never going to have enough, right? Like no matter what, as a person, like if you're in that mindset of I need this, I need that, I need everything, like when's it going to ever end? Like, so you have the new, the iPhone, then the iPhone goes out, you're going to need the newest iPhone. And like, it just isn't that, that world of wanting won't ever end. So I think once you realize that, I mean, and you get out of that kind of, that kind of hamster wheel, um, I think it's a more pleasant place. And I, and I think that, you know, one of the things that they like that scenario that you're talking about was the the teacher in the school at the Hurricane Sandy school where they were um, teaching the kids to pay it forward and they're not wealthy families. And so, um, you know, they didn't have to feel badly if they couldn't like they had lists that all the kids could, you know, they could bring in just wrapping paper or just tape or nothing and just like do a really nice job on, um, you know, coloring in the box. And so, you know, something that's given with so much love and attention, you know, um, I think is more meaningful than the 10 toys, you know, cause you, you watch kids open toys. They like rip through everything. Then the next thing, the next thing, they don't even really enjoy it, you know? Um, 
And so I think that that's an interesting, you know, thing is just like when something's given with love and, and trying to like teach kids that, oh my God, like Santa really spent time on this wrapping and spent time on this. So I think it's really pretty important because if you get in that cycle of want, 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 you're just never going to, it's never going to end. You know, but I, how, how much of that attitude do you think is uh, a symptom of the greater society at large with all like these, you know, big multinationals that, you know, run the world and say, you know, every six months they put out sort of the latest generation of whatever, whatever their product is. And it, 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 it sort of, it just teaches us to want, want, want rather, rather than appreciate is, is there some way you think we can change the narrative around that at all? I mean, I hope that a film like this changes the narrative a bit. Um, I think that what really, I think people realize when their world is feeling empty. You know, I mean, this is maybe more of an adult thing than a kid thing. Um, you, you know, it feels kind of empty to open stuff, be excited about it, and then the next day need something else. Like, I think it's an, a really empty feeling. And I think people people do realize that. but after a while, you know, like you're filling, um, kind of meaning in your life with things. Um, I, I don't know how to really combat it other than I think the more that you give to others, I mean, it sounds cliche, but the more that you work towards things like this, that you see in this movie that I think the happier people, um, it's, you know, people always say like, Oh, I got more out of this than the people I gave to. And I, th I think that's totally true. Speaking of happiness, you know, we, we see a, a lot of the reactions. Like we see Brian in the limo. We see, uh, I forget her name, but the, the, the mother who asked for the new sofa. Um, but I think the best reaction for me was when Christopher got the bunny. You could just see his face. <laughs> yeah. He, um, what, was there, first of all, what was it like for you getting to film all those reactions? And is there one that really, really stuck out for you? Um, I mean, the bunny one was very funny because like in the moment, like you were kind of like trying, you know, cause you're, you're also very like stressed, like these things, you can only have one shot. If you miss it, it's gone. And like, there's a lot happening. So I, you're always kind of thinking like, did I capture it? The bunny was hysterical in my mind because Christopher, the boy who asked for it is so quiet and, and, uh, just subtle as a person. Um, I think he was ultimately like super shocked and it came across in the video, but I'm always thinking, okay, did, what does that look like on, uh, I see what it looks like with my eyes, but what does it really look like, you know, on the, on the tape, you know? And so I was a little stressed about that, but the sister <laughs> was like his exact opposite who was so like shocked. And I mean, her, her like oftentimes her, her face, that shocked look is like on a, a bunch of our press materials. And I love her face. It's the funniest. And she was like crying and like going like this. I mean, it, and the, like the juxtaposition of the two of them was, was hysterical uh, and I really liked the part where the bunny uh, the kids who got the puppy um, they didn't realize it was there for them like that they, they just thought this puppy was going to visit and it like the the parents had to tell them and actually that was happening the same time as the bunny so I wasn't at the puppy one um, but it was funny because my friend and colleague who who was there she like called me she's like it was really strange like they didn't know it was for her so I had to like whisper to the dad hey I don't think they realize this is for you. So that was really funny. Um, I really liked, although I felt stressed out during the three, um, the, the Grand Rapids, Michigan, where the people got like the mattresses and the couches and the stuff like that, because in two out of the three of them, the parents 
the moms were crying and I think it, it really, it kind of upset the kids. They didn't realize that they were crying from joy. And so I felt a little like responsible for the kid. Then the kids started crying and I was like, oh my God, this is like kind of a breakdown. Like, I don't think it came across in the, in the film, but at the time it felt a little difficult and I was, I was worried that it wouldn't, you know, that we somehow hurt their families. But I think in the, in the end it was fine. <laughs> You know, I, I, I think Christmas is going to be different uh, for a lot of people this year, just in terms of the number of people, you know, that they'll be able to have over and, and, and the gifts that um, they'll be able to get. Um, what do you think Santa would say to the kids for Christmas this year? Um, I think Santa would want them to write letters like always. Um, and I think he's gonna, he, he has many, many elves this year because he knows it's such a tough year for everybody. Um, and I think he, he's ready and waiting that they should write quickly. <laughs> uh, now I, you, you mentioned that, that you were Jewish, but, uh, what, what is your favorite Christmas film? Oh, um, so I think my favorite, I don't know, it's been, people have said that they're not sure it's a Christmas film, but I, I like, I'm a, like a sucker for romantic comedies, and I really, I like so many of them, but I think I love Love Actually, and I also love Serendipity, which some people think is not a Christmas movie, but I, I think it is. Um, I, of course, like Elf a lot. Um, maybe Elf is one of my favorites. Um, I like... Uh, Miracle on 34th Street. I like It's a Wonderful Life a lot. Um, I really like everything about Christmas. So I would, I'm would. i going to try to watch more than ever this year. <laughs> okay. Big question. Die Hard Christmas movie or not? So my husband says yes. <laughs> <laughs> he always says that's his favorite Christmas movie. Um, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. Now, um... Do you have a favorite, um, I don't know if I can think of too many, but a favorite uh, Hanukkah movie? You know, somebody else just asked me this and I couldn't think of any. Um, and if there's not, I think I need to make one, right? I mean, yeah. why? there has to be, right? Well, I mean, there's like, Adam. so Adam Sandler did the animated Eight Crazy Nights. I know that. Oh, was it good? I, I mean, it's not great. I mean, it's, you know, it's early sort of early mid 2000s Adam Sandler so you know take it for what it you know take it for what it is <laughs> yeah uh there it there was this made for tv movie years ago called full court miracle which is actually about this kid on a basketball team but it's like it's like a parable of Judah and the Maccabees okay um it was so that you know it's it it's a made for tv movie so you know it it, it, it is what it is right I mean, <laughs> yeah you know um oh my gosh do I have to make one I think I should and I know back when the OC was on um because one of the characters was Jewish, they did rather than a Christmas episode, they did Christmas ka. Uh, so, so I remember that. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're right. I can't, I can't think of too many, you know, films that you know rather than celebrate Christmas, they they celebrate Hanukkah, right? So I right. maybe 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 that'll be your next documentary, right? I think maybe so. Maybe I'm I'm interested in doing narrative work. I've done a couple of shorts narratives. Maybe I'll I'll write a script, a Hanukkah script. It'll have to be good. There's a really good um, now I'm forgetting the name of it, but a really good bar mitzvah one that we we just watched for the first time like a couple of years ago. That was really a good one. Um, but there's not. Yeah, I think we got I got to work on that. 
would you now if if you write a, a narrative Hanukkah movie, would it be a a romantic comedy? Uh yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I think it uh, should be. Maybe it would be maybe it, would, it should be like somebody that celebrates both. Like somebody like me who like or doesn't celebrate both but like likes Christmas, you know what I mean? And so kind of loves Oh, maybe it could be about a Jewish girl who like wants people to invite her over to decorate the tree and do all the Christmas things because that that is me. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Actually, I just found there there was a 2006 movie uh, about a bar mitzvah called Keeping Up with the Stein. Yes, that's it. It's a great yeah. movie. Gary Very Marshall, Daryl Hannah. Uh... Super funny movie. Okay, so all right, yeah, N yeah. Neil Neil Diamond has a cameo. Uh, yes, at, he's in like the band. <laughs> I think that's cool. I, I've I've never seen it, but I I did hear I did hear uh, good things about it. It was good, yeah, really good. But that brings up a, a larger question: Why, you know, why do you think there aren't many Hanukkah movies, especially since you know uh, there's a lot of really funny Jewish comedians out there? Yeah, I don't know. I mean. Hanukkah is not a huge holiday, so that might be why. It's actually just like the reason it's so hyped up at, you know, to the point that it is, is because it just so Jewish kids don't feel left out around Christmas. But it's really not even in the top Jewish, um, like important Jewish holidays. So maybe that's why. Um, I don't know. Maybe there's a worry that not enough people would want to watch it. I don't, I don't know. But I think it's a good opportunity for me. Yeah. <laughs> We heard it here for the first time. There you go. There you go. So, so you would you would make a you would make a film about Hanukkah before you know like uh, Yom Kippur or Rosh Hashanah or something. Oh yeah, yeah. Yom, well, Yom Kippur is like a really sad holiday, and like True. it seems, yeah. seems somewhat sacrilegious to like do that. Although there was a very funny um, Entourage episode. Did you watch Entourage? Where it, it was hysterical. Where the the agent um, Ari is that his name Ari? Yeah. He like was trying to do a deal in the middle of Yom Kippur services, and his wife. <laughs> It's really funny. Yeah. That okay. was good. All right. <laughs> um you you've you've mentioned that you've done that you've done a couple of, of short narratives and you're interested in doing more. What do you like about narratives ver, ver, versus documentary? How do you how do you you know uh, how do you think they, they, they play off each other in terms of creativity? Yeah, I mean it's really hard to compare because I feel so much more comfortable in documentary. I mean, it's just what I know how to do more. So it's almost like, like between something that's like your career that you're, you know, you understand and feel comfortable in versus something that like is really hard um, <laughs> and new and different. Um, so that for me, it's like just totally like eyes wide open, trying to figure it out. Working with actors is something I had never done. Um, it was a little scary for me, but then over time I realized there's a lot of similarities. I mean, the thing I that's amazing about it is, when you write something like so my shorts I wrote and then people in the audience like laugh at them like they came directly from your brain it's like kind of crazy whereas in a documentary like you're just finding the funny things that in people's lives basically you're finding the poignant things in people's lives so I think there's there's a real it, like kind of addicting power in being able to write something that people like you know so that's pretty yeah. cool um and the, the other cool thing about and challenging thing about narratives is that you have to create the whole world. Whereas in a documentary, you're just capturing a world that already exists. And so in the in narrative work, it's like literally every item in the room, you have to decide what it is, you know, every sound, you have to decide what it is, It's like a million little decisions, you know, and I thought there was a lot in documentary, but really, like, if I'm going to shoot this scene, it would just be what it was. And then I have to pick out the most interesting parts. So 
it's pretty interesting. I mean, I think it's a, it's a great challenge and, and I think it's really fun. I love it. I, I know you, you started off, um, with, with your background, you know, in journalism, doing kind of shorter, you know, shorter, you know, 60 second, three minute pieces before you got into feature, you know, feature documentary filmmaking. Do you still consider yourself a journalist, uh, in, in, in that respect? Not really, I guess. Um, I mean, I think I could, and especially because the work I've done, I mean, in some respects, yes, because the way I kind of approach, you know, finding the stories, finding the, um, you know, that, that I wrote an email to the United States Postal Service, a cold call email to them, like, that's how I would get my stories. And, and when I interview people, there's the same. Um, but I don't have to be like, as impartial as I used to be, I think as a filmmaker, people want you to have a POV. Um, whereas in journalism, you don't really want to have a POV. So I think I sort of, you know, in the first film I made, I was still a journalist. And when people when when I'd have to write filmmaker on something, I felt like I was like a imposter, like I wasn't really a filmmaker. So I guess now I feel more like a filmmaker, less like a journalist. But I, I think the skills that I used for being a journalist, um, I totally um, still use. What do you want people to take away from this film when they watch it? I think that this year, obviously, not to say the obvious, has been the worst <laughs> for so many people. Um, and particularly in America, people are so divided, like to the point that we can't even talk to people with different views anymore. Um, and I hope that this is something that people can, anybody can rally around. And, you know, I um, have always been a pretty patriotic person and I really love, love our country and love um, what America can be. Um, and I think I was feeling quite a bit despondent about how I wasn't sure I could be patriotic anymore this year. And then, you know, this film really, makes you feel like, oh, there is good in America and there are good people and it doesn't matter, you know, and this is our core, helping one another. Um, and so I really hope people feel that same way. Like, I think the transformation that I felt, you know, in my emotions this year, um, working on this all year, I hope everybody feels uh, when they watch it that we can help each other, we can be there for each other, we can pay it forward. We don't have to be so divided. What was, what was one thing you took away or learned from, from making this film? Uh, you know, I mean, it sounds really like convenient at a time when the United States Postal Service has been super under fire here. Um, but I really learned a lot about the United States Postal Service and the people that work there. There's um, actually I got a text this morning um, that told like somebody told me that they sent out something to, to everybody who worked there. And it was it was six hundred and thirty thousand people. So six hundred and thirty thousand people work for the United States Postal Service. I probably met several hundred of them working on this film. And these are people who, you know, I'd read somewhere that the average worker at the United States Postal Service makes like, uh, I'm going to botch this, maybe $50 an hour or something. And then a lot of them are quite a bit less, like that probably um, averages in all the executives. Um, and everybody who I came in contact with was grabbing a letter, taking a letter, you know, buying extra food, had candy in their satchels for kids. And like, so I think that really one of my favorite parts of this film was getting to know all the people of the United States Postal Service. And then while I was in post-production and every day there's headlines in the papers about 
all the badness that was happening with the Postal Service, it was really something to be like making a film where your protagonists were totally under fire for something totally different the whole time you're making the film. So I really, I mean, I consider this a love letter to the United States Postal Service in the time where, where they probably need it the most. Um, so that I learned the most about them and I, I, I really enjoyed that. Does, does, you know, meeting all these people making a film like this, does it give you hope for the future? It does give me hope for the future. I mean, there are so many salt of the earth people from all walks of life, not just at the United States Postal Service, who take time out of, I mean, take time, like renting U-Hauls for presents and giving, again, not like, in, you know, not for the tax deduction, for just to put a, anonymously put a smile on a kid's face. And I think it's a lot of people. It's not just a couple people. It's it's thousands and thousands of people. And I think if those people have the goodness in their hearts, and I think a lot of most people that I talk to don't know about this. So you got to think that once people know about it, it's going to be huge. And I, I do think it gives me a lot of hope. Well, the film is Dear Santa, and it comes out Friday, December the 4th. Uh, Dana Nachman, thanks so much for your time this morning. Thank you. It was fun. Cheers. <laughs> That was my conversation with documentary filmmaker Dana Nachman. Her latest, Letters to Santa, is out now. Well, that does it for me today. Be sure to tune next week. I'm going to have three shows. I'm going to be having some coverage from the Whistler Film Festival. I just spoke to Carl Besai today. Uh, he's got a new film out called In Her City, and there will be some other interviews from talent featured at that festival as well. Also, Monday's episode, you'll hear from documentary filmmaker Julian Temple. Uh, he made a new film about Shane McGowan, the legendary lead singer of the Pogues. And also, I'm super excited, I got to talk to him the other day too, actor and filmmaker, star of Bill and Ted and The Lost Boys, Alex Winter will be here to talk about his new documentary, Zappa. Other interviews coming up include musician Jen Grant and Broadway superstar Sam Harris. Be sure to subscribe to Endeavors on Apple, Spotify, Google, Deezer, TuneIn, or Radio Public, wherever you get your podcasts. We're also available on Mnet Radio Mission. You can visit me on social media at Endeavors Radio or on the web at endeavorsmedia.com. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you next time. Ciao for now. Just say